Hey, this is Lee Snow. I'm the preacher of Orange Springs Road Church of Christ, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for downloading today. I hope it inspires you. I hope it builds your faith. I hope it gives you a perspective to see what God wants to do in your life, and I hope it challenges you to a faithful tomorrow. Through the time when we're studying the book of Galatians, since it's much longer than I like to read in a single reading, um, just because um, reading nonstop for 35 minutes is, is, would be pretty extensive. Um, what we're going to do is the scripture readings on the second Sunday afternoons while we're studying the book of Galatians, we're going to read through what we will have studied by the next scripture reading. Does that make sense? So today we're going to read chapters 1 and 2. Before that, um, I want to ask y'all for your prayers uh, this next, over the next week and a half. Um, Most people who have never gone to polishing the pulpit don't really understand, you you just don't understand what it is. And that's that's understandable. You've never been. Um, PTP, this year we're looking at probably 5,000 people. Christians, faithful members of the body of Christ, mostly preachers and elders. There are some who homeschool that can go and that sort of thing, but most of the time it's preachers and, and elders. And so a lot, of the, a lot of the things that are presented are geared toward us, toward preachers or elders or leaders, deacons, that sort of thing. Um, well, last year I told Alan, who is uh, the guy who runs Polishing the Pulpit, Alan Webster, um, I told him what we were doing in our scripture readings. And he, just, he thought that was great. Well, then about a month and a half ago, I got an email with no subject from Alan that just said, um, in the email body, it said, Lee, does this look okay? And underneath that was a little table that said, Lee Snow, Wednesday, 3.30, dynamic Bible reading. And I went, uh, what? I'm supposed to speak? There's 5,000 people. That, what? No. And he... He assured me that I would not die. Um, so y'all be praying for me because what we do in our scripture readings is not really normal for churches. Um, but in my opinion, it's, it's helpful to me. Um, one person said that preaching is um, one child exuberantly telling the other, his siblings, what he learned about the father that week. And that's a pretty good explanation of preaching. Um, and, uh, so in, in, in the scripture readings, I get to study with y'all. It's not me presenting something. It's more of, of us studying together, which, which is encouraging to me. And hopefully it's encouraging to y'all. And in fact, I wanted to show you a, a couple things that I found in preparation for, um, speaking at PTP. First off, we know first Timothy four and verse 13, which is the reason why we do this. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. But then I found this, this website that's not done by the church. Um, but it's encouraging people to do things like this because of the early Christians. And, and I wanted to read you um, a quote. Early Christianity was a bookish religion through and through. In fact, one of the guys who writes for this website, his name is Larry Hurtado. Uh, he's a New Testament scholar. Um, he says that the early scriptures, like, well, he says any writing in the Roman world, especially the New Testament scriptures, were written 
keeping in mind how they would sound being read aloud. In fact, if you think about some of the word plays you hear about in Scripture, that Onesimus means useful, but he wasn't very Onesimus to you, right? It, they were meant to be read aloud, and they paid attention to how they would sound when they were read aloud, because it was something that they did um, on a regular basis. One person that I found, this guy named Glenn Powell, that's how I'm going to say his name, uh, he said this, in the modern era, we've largely turned away from the early Christian practice of communal immersion in the scriptures. Reading and study of the Bible is largely done individually, surrounded by all manner of reference types and helps, commentaries and devotional aids. The research evidence is clear that this is not working as an overall strategy for Bible engagement. People resort, uh, people report that reading alone in this way is complicated and overwhelming. In short, it is hard, and as a result, folks admit that they are not doing it very much. So, um, so hopefully our scripture readings are encouraging to you. They're extremely encouraging to me because, like I said, I get to sit down and read with y'all and study with you. Um, and I try to do a couple of things. If I'm reading, I try to forget everything I know about that book sometimes and just read it with y'all. And that's when I don't make a lot of comments. That's why. I just make the comments that pop into my head while I'm reading it. Um, so anyways, let's dive into the reading this afternoon. Uh, Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to read through uh, chapter 2. So a fairly short reading for this afternoon. Galatians 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God our Father, of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there, is, there are some who trouble you who want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Is it, he, he adds himself in there, right? Even though we, if I change, if my gospel changes, I need to be accursed as well. Verse 9, if we said, as we said before, so say... Or so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For I am now, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, would I not, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of whom my age, many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who 
were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown to pe- in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us now is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Pause. Can you imagine? He went into the churches of Syria and Cilicia, verse 21. Verse 22, when he gets there, and even in the churches of Judea, they still don't know who he is. I wonder if it ever happened that he was sitting in the, the house where they were worshiping, and one of the pe- people said, hey, did you know that that guy named Saul that used to be persecuting us is actually now a preacher? And they, would, he, they knew his name was Paul. Can you, imagine, can you imagine that? You're sitting there and you're Paul and they say, you know the guy that used to try to arrest us? He's actually, I hear he's a preacher now. And you go, really? That's, in, that, I, that's interesting. Tell me more. Anyways, chapter 2. Then after 14 years, I went up, to, went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately because those, uh, before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles. In order to make sure I was not running or had run in vain, but even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery, he calls, it, he calls these false gospels a slavery, verse 5, To them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to circumcised, For he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Verse 11. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? That that statement is a little confusing, right? He's basically saying, if you're a Jew, and when you're not here, you're not around James and the other brothers, you're living like a Gentile, you're eating food that Jews don't eat. But then, 
you want the Gentiles to act like a Jew. You're acting like a Gentile. If, if it's so bad, if, gen, if eating food like Gentiles is so bad, then why are you doing it when you're by yourself or with other Gentiles? Anyways, chapter 2, verse 15. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For though the law, through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Keep in mind that you want to know the main reason why what we talked about a few weeks ago, that James, the book of James, wasn't included by Martin Luther in the Gospels because it contradicted Romans and and Galatians, and why so many people are adamantly opposed to any form of baptism today for the remission of sins, for the remission of sins, right? Do you want to know why that is? Because they don't understand that passage. Chapter 2, where it says, you can't be justified by the law. And you, they think that what that means is a law is anything that God has told them to do. So they look at it and say, if God told me to do it and I do it, that doesn't justify me. Baptism. They'll, they'll readily admit you're supposed to be baptized. But it's a command, so it's a law, which means it can't justify me. I just do it because I want to follow God. Right? You've heard that before, right? You're saved and then you baptize, you're baptized because you want to follow God. When realistically, what he's talking about is these people wanted people to be circumcised like the Old Testament said. And he says, you can't be justified by the works of the law, the Old Testament law. It has nothing to do with Christianity. It has everything to do with the fact that they were trying to go by Old Testament things and still be Christians. And he says, you can't be saved and follow the Old Testament. That's not the purpose of the Old Testament. In chapter 3, he's going to go into that even more, what the purpose of the Old Testament really was. But, um, but when you look at obedience of faith, the obedience of faith that we've talked about a lot over the last few weeks, and we'll continue to talk about through the Galatians, book of Galatians. When you look at that, it's not something you do for salvation. It's not, it's not something that you do that earns you salvation. If you're baptized, it's not because you're so great and powerful that you washed your sins away. It's because God is doing the action. Every time you look at chapter 1 and what happens in Paul's life that we looked at this morning, all of those things that happen are God doing it to him. Why was Paul baptized? Because God showed him that he needed to be baptized. And he didn't understand it, but he did it because God baptized him. God saved him from his sins. And then that's when he says, I I saw Jesus. I, I I was all in. 
It wasn't anything that I did. If, if, someone, if someone were to come to you and say, if you want a million dollars, jump on one foot three times. And you jump on one foot three times and they give you a million dollars. You didn't do anything to earn that million dollars. Three jumps on one foot is not worth a million dollars. Unless, you know, you only have no feet and you figure out a way to, right? Or, or you can't earn, you're not earning that. They're giving it to you and they're asking you something. They're asking you to do something that proves that you want it. That's it. The gospel is not salvation through things that you do. The gospel is salvation through what God does to you. And He asks you to show that you want it to happen, but you're not earning it. It's so big. The gift is so immense that you doing anything is negligible when it comes to earning it. And that's why He says you can't earn your salvation. Because you can't do something that earns that. But when God says, I want you to prove to me that you really want it. That's the difference, right? No person is going to earn salvation in heaven. No person living on earth has the wherewithal to be so good and so mighty and so good at business that they can earn heaven and buy heaven, right? You just can't do it. God gives you heaven. But He says, if you want to be with me in heaven, you need to prove to me that you want to be with me in heaven, right? And the same goes for salvation as well. And that's why chapter 2 is really, over the next... uh, I think we'll be in chapter 2 for three weeks. Over the next three weeks, we're going we're gonna to really look deep in that, in the fact that that's why people deny baptism. That's why the original people deny baptism. Now people deny baptism just because someone else told them to. But the reason why people originally started doing it was because of that. They just misunderstood what he was talking about. That's it. You, you add the definite article in front of law, not, not law, but the law, and it all opens up. And that's what Paul did. He used the, he used the article there. So, Anyways, if you want to become a Christian, uh, we're going to stand and sing a psalm of encouragement for you, and you can let us know if you are willing to prove to God that you want it through baptism, then he is willing to give it to you. Um, and then uh, after that, we're going to have a song, and anyone who needs to partake of the Lord's Supper,